that's just an, uh, if you can, if you're in Lita, I don't expect you to get up. You stay right where you are. But if you're physically able to stand for the reading of God's word, then I expect you to stand because that's an honor to God. So as we do this now, entitled this message, Don't Miss Your Moment. And I'm challenging you and looking at you today and I'm asking, I'm telling you, I'm saying, don't miss your moment. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. If you're not careful, don't miss your moment. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 and 40. It's a rather lengthy bit of scripture, but stay with me. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Somebody says, well, what's the problem? She was actually saying something good. Well, the problem with that is, listen to me closely, the devil works hard in today's world to try his best to connect himself to the God, to the God stuff, to authenticity, because he's nothing but an imposter in every way. He's counterfeit in every way. There is nothing that is out there in the world of sin and lust and greed and evil and wickedness and drugs and alcohol. There's none of those things that can give you the real deal. They're fake news, so to speak. It's fake. And a lot of people are are ignorant to that and they fall for that. It can't give you joy, can't make you happy. Fill you with in, in peace, inner peace. Can't do that. He can't give you real love. He just gives you lust. So he, he gives you all this stuff that temporarily causes you to escape into the world of joy, peace, love. And then he goes away as quickly as it came. And usually leaves you with a headache. And in many cases, trouble. Paul was annoyed because he knew and he discerned in the spirit that this lady was possessed of a demonic spirit but she was wanting so bad to connect what she did the spirit in her was wanting to connect with what Paul and his friends were doing Silas and the others that were there he was wanting to connect to that so that he could get some credit he's just cheap that way Paul Sensing and knowing the voice of the Lord, the discernment of the Spirit. says, and she did this for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. I love that it says that. Paul was just annoyed. Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Beautiful. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. If you're new here, I tend to get into accents sometimes. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being 
Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer, keep them secure. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, the dungeon, and fastened their feet in stocks so that they couldn't even move. He was scared to death of his bosses. But at midnight, midnight, the worst time, the darkest hour, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains, everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew out his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul, you remember Paul, Pastor Paul. But Pastor Paul called out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We're all here. So then he called for a light and he ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Amen. Amen. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he, the jailer, took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his whole family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. This man was changed forever. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let these men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. Paul said to them, love this. This should be on a shirt. They have beaten us openly. Uncondemned Romans. What? And have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? It says no indeed, but I'm like, there's no way. Let them come. Pause awesome. Paul's a dude. He's a man's man. He says, no way. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them, please depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and, encount and entered into the house of Lydia. They just went socializing and when they had seen the brethren and encouraged them had church had a big meal chicken no doubt they encouraged them and then they departed beautiful lord add your blessings to the word of god this morning
challenge us and touch us, speak to us by your spirit in Christ's name. Amen. Let me see that. In the amount of time that I have, this is a record day. You don't know this, but this is a record day. I have 30 pages typed on this sermon. 30 pages typed. So we will be here till 4 this afternoon. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to race because I, I have no more than 15 minutes to try to put together 30 pages. But I am going to drive a stake in this. Brother Jones, you know what this is like. You, you, you say you'll just drive a stake in it and pick it up next service. I'm going to pick it up tonight at 6 o'clock. So if you want to hear part two, you're going to have to come back. When the going gets tough, the tough find out what they are made of. I wrote this down. Your theology is revealed in your midnight song. Until you reach the midnight hours in your life, everything you say before that is just talk. Everything you say, Kevin, that you believe, we're adamant to tell people what we believe or what we don't believe. It'll all come out at midnight. That's when everything comes out. It's in the midnight hours of your life that you discover the difference between ideology and actuality. Theory and reality. Theology and philosophy. There's so much in this verse, in this passage of Scripture... For you and I to study and to look at. I could preach. My 30 pages is nothing. I could preach for weeks on this passage alone. There's so much here. Last week we talked about him being a refuge. We talked about our God as a refuge. A present help in the time of trouble. We will not fear though the earth be removed. The mountains thereof crumble into the sea. The waters roar thereof. We talked about this. Our God is a refuge. We know him as a covert from the storm. We know his protection. He's a high tower, a bulwark, never failing. He is an amazing, awesome God. We know this. And in the normal living of life, going from one trial and trouble and test of our faith to the other, we know he's a refuge. But here's my question today because we're going a little bit deeper this morning. We're going a little, this is for grown-ups. Maybe I should have put like an age on this or something in the spirit, not an age in, in real years for your age of your physical life, but maybe age on your spiritual life, because this is for grown-ups this morning, because we're going to talk about some things that, that you may be like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me, that, that that can happen? We're going to talk about what happens when the refuge turns into a dungeon. Life more abundant, favor, blessings, comfort in the Holy Spirit. Pastor, what are you talking about? Talking about what happens when your ordered steps, your righteous steps, ordered, planned out, purposed by God, take you into prison. Take you into a dungeon. Take you into a situation where the circumstances are not fair. Not just, not right. Lord, where are you? What in the world? How did I get here? Lord, I am faithful. I fast. I pray. I read my word. I do all these things. I do it right. But Lord, I'm looking for a refuge and you send me to the dungeon. 
How did I end up here doing right? How did I end up here when, when everything in the world tells me and all the preachers tell me and all the songs we sing tell me that we're running to the mountain mover and we're running to the one who is safety? How in the world did I end up here? Let me tell you, this is for grown-ups. Sometimes God will allow you to enter into a dark midnight experience. Sometimes you are called to go into a dark place. I've been there many times. I know what it's like to be at midnight. You know midnight. Midnight, that place of no return. Midnight, it's the place where yesterday turns into tomorrow. It's that place where everything changes. It's that point of no return. I, I love, you know, learning about the point of no return in aeronautics where the plane, you know, takes off and he's, he's terrorizing down the runway and he gets to this one place. There's this point of no return, meaning they got to go up or they got to crash point of no return that's midnight it's the place Stacy where something's got to give something's going to change it's the darkest hour it's where we got to find it we're going to find out what we really believe Holly that's where you find out Jim that's where you find out what you're really made of at midnight oh or, oh I'm not talking about trial of my faith a test of, uh, and I'm not making light of the fact that we're discipled and we grow. And as new Christians, we are tested in our faith and we're, we're prodded and pushed along. And we have to get our attitude under control. And we've got to find ways to believe and, and trust in the Lord. And these are all very important things that we grow and we learn in. But I'm talking about today, I'm talking about something a little more grown up. I'm talking about when you get to the place, you, in discipleship, you're learning how to trust God. We pray, we read our word, we study, and we, we get together, Debbie, with, with, with others, and we share in, in our research, in our journey. We, we do everything we can to learn how to trust God. But there's this place, RJ, where you get to where everything changes, and now you're at this place where God wants to trust you. God wants to trust you. Can he trust you? Are you there? Are you mature enough? Are you grown up enough in your faith? There will be times that refuge turns into a dungeon. You've been there. You know. Some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not fair. The circumstances, the, the light's off. The refuge is a prison. You're in a pit. You're chained up. You're locked up. You're in stocks. It's a dungeon of seemingly despair it's not fair there's no justice it happens sometimes when we are doing the work of the lord obeying and serving him with our whole heart we find ourselves thrown into strange circumstances we look at god and we say how is this even possible i was expecting a sweet life of abundance and favor and blessing gold dust to fall from the from the sky and i was looking for all kinds of reward. What is this? What am I going through now? Well, Isaiah wrote about it in Isaiah 50 and verse 10. He says, who among you fears the Lord, reverences him, honors him? Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of a servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Oh, Isaiah knew. He gave advice. He said, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. 
Psalm 69, verses 1 through 3, David knew. You know, David betrayed by his own son. He, he was brought in. Jonathan, his father, was King Saul, and he was brought in, and he was called of God, anointed of God by Samuel to be the next king, and King Saul became jealous and chased after him and wanted him dead. So David knew what it was like to go through a trial that didn't make sense. You get called and you get on a hit list. Great. You get the kingdom and your own son betrays you and turns against you. Wow, awesome. Our God is an awesome God. David said, save me, O God, till the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I'm weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. David found himself in a midnight experience, encounter. Isaiah knew what that was. Many people in scripture knew what that was. Many people sitting here today know what that is. Called of God, and he sends you to the wilderness. The refuge suddenly becomes something else. All along the way, Paul and Silas, we see them. They're doing good. They've come. They're on a journey. They're called of God. They're ordered of God. Their steps are ordered. And they're moving amongst the town people. And, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this lady comes along. And she's got a demonic spirit. And she's just annoying. Paul turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he goes on back to ministering and to the people. And he goes back to doing what he was doing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the, magist or the, the masters of the slave girl get all ticked off because now they have no money coming in. You know, can I just tell you something? The devil wants to use you and abuse you. He didn't want no part of blessing you. He wants no part of give, giving you any kind of blessing or profit. As a matter of fact, he works really hard to make sure that when he's done with you, he leaves you hopeless in despair and in the middle of death and destruction. He wants no part of giving you the good life. So the masters are angry because there's no money now. He set her free. Now she's a normal girl. She's going home to mommy. She says she wants to get married and have babies. Great. She wants a life blessed, which God intends and means for every one of us. They have them arrested. The King James Version says they're flogged. They're beaten with rods. They're wounded and cut up, Bro no doubt bones broken. They are drugged into the jail, and the jailer is given instructions, don't you dare let them out. Don't you let anything happen to these guys. They were so filled with hate. Can I remind you of something else? They will hate your guts. They will hate you. They're, they're ordered to hate you because the spirit that controls them hates you. Jesus said, they will hate you because they hated me. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome. You know that there's still a purpose for where you're headed. I'm going to try my best to get through with this in the amount of time that I have. And I am already T minus two. Attacked by the enemy on the way to doing good. Can I? There's a place. This is that grown-up place I'm talking about. But it, it, it's got purpose. Listen to me. It, it brings a, a sense. And don't worry. You're sitting back going, well, I don't want to be called to no dungeon. Don't worry, you won't be. 
I don't want to go through all that stuff. I, I just I don't need no far. I don't need that. I just want to just get through life. I want to go to service, be inspired, sing me a good song, and I'll just get through the day. I'll sing me a little tune with the grandkids. I'll be fine. Guess what? God will never choose you. You stay right where you are. You want to stay in that little patty cake mode and you want to sit back and be a baby your whole life, drink milk the rest of your life all the way. I just pray that because you're so immature, you won't get hit by a Mack truck of sin. I pray that the devil won't just decide to wipe you out in a day. But for those who are growing, for those who are intense, for those who have discovered the fountain of God, who have known him that he is good, like Paul said, that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, that I might be conformed to his death, that I would somehow come into a knowledge of his resurrection, that, that kind of determination, that kind of strength, and that kind of desire. That's what happens to those who truly tap in to where God really is. It's not just a religion. It's not just some little thing your, your wife or your mom or your grandma figured out and got a hold of and now you're stuck having to honor and take your hand off and you have, you have to live your life trying to be respectful to it. I'm telling you it's much, much larger and bigger than that. My mother would bring all six of us kids into, into the middle of the room and do her devotions and she'd praise God and she'd, she'd tell us what the Lord was teaching her and, and we'd sit there, a little pile of us, all six of us. I am so glad that my mother raised me in faith. I'm so glad she poured into me truths because you know why? I'm standing in that this morning and I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Wouldn't take, you couldn't offer me anything in this world. You couldn't give it to me. Take all of that. I will stand with Paul and say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Attacked by the enemy. You know, you, you'll get to the place where you start going deep in with God. You start getting down and in, in where you're, you're, you're messing with devils. You, you start seeing the underworld. You know, I, I was shocked to find out there's an underworld in Middletown. I, I couldn't believe what I heard. There, there's a, a prostitution ring and a drug ring all happening right here in Middletown. Boy, am I silly. Am I ignorant and stupid. Come up with one night, they had 14 prostitutes and about 20-some Johns, they call them. They, they were all arrested. It was just like, in Middletown? Really? I felt stupid. I'm driving down through town looking for ice cream. There's an underworld. There's an evil world. A world that's out to destroy mankind. And, and see, you've got this. The devil's fine as long as you stay patty caking up here in the praise and worship. As long as you just come and you just do you. Just a little bit, just let me, let me do my thing, let me be seen of men, let me do my performance for everybody, and I'll be fine. Just let me stay right up there. As long as you stay up there, man, you got no worries. The devil don't even care about what, didn't care what you do. But when you start getting, when you start getting sincere about knowing him, searching him out, when you start getting down there and people in your family start getting free, People in your school or in your workplace, they start getting free. When your husband finally opens his eyes and he sees the spiritual world that's all around him, 
He's been blind up to it to this point. He just thinks it's nothing but more Cadillacs and more, more houses and lands and all kinds of sports and football games. He suddenly opens his eyes. He realizes there's a whole world out there, a spiritual world of evil and wicked and God and heavenly. And the armies and the angels of God are at work. And there is a spiritual warfare that is taking place for, not only for him and for his family, but for everyone under the sound of his voice. Everywhere he goes, there's a fight that's happening. Once you've opened that up and you start praying over and you're working hard to bring deliverance to those who are bound up in addictions or those who are bound up in all kinds of other stuff, sinful stuff, greed and lust, all kinds of things. You find as you start delving into that and you start working the work of God in that, all of a sudden out of nowhere like a combination knock, lock, you are turning this way and turning that way, getting victory here, getting victory there and suddenly you open up thinking, man, I am surely going to receive a reward this morning. And all you did was open up hell. You got to be grown up enough to hear this. You got to be grown up enough to hear this. There's a place you get with God where you literally get hell's attention. And when you get hell's attention... You're going to fight. You're going to wrestle. You're going to be in a war. But I want to assure you, there is no place that you go. There's no trial or trouble or dungeon or pit or hell that you descend into that God's word doesn't declare, I am with you. I will never forsake you. I will go with you all the way to the end always be with you. Paul and Silas, doing the work of God, ended up in the lowest part of the dungeon, and I have to like totally wrap it up. So I'm stopping at page 7, and I'm not going to be able to go to page 30. So we're going to stop right there, and I'm just going to try to paraphrase a little bit. We, we get in this place where, where he, they're in the dungeon, and they're down there at the midnight hour, and Silas is looking to Paul, his mentor, and he's wondering, what's next, Paul? And Paul is confident. I mean, you got, you, you got that secret, right? That little secret thing that we just read that you, you sometimes just overlook and you don't realize how important it is. When, when, it said, when, when Paul was finally, he, he went through it, he was beaten, he was brought down, he was put in the, in the, the slimy pit and the rats crawling all over him and, and all the wounds on his body getting infected and he's, he's in this troubled place and he's living this out and this, it's dark and there's no electricity, there's no light, there's no comfort, there's nothing. It's, he don't even, can't even see anything in front of him and he's He's laying there trying to figure out what his next move is. And he's going through it and he looks over at, at Silas. And Silas is like, Paul, what do we do now? Paul says, Silas, sin. What did you say? Sin. Maybe he's saying, there's no mountain you won't climb. I don't know what the song was. I don't know what the prayer was. But at the midnight hour, Paul prayed and sang praise. I said to you a few weeks ago, praise precedes your victory. Too many people praise him after the victory. Praise precedes your victory. So here he is in the midnight. And he is down in the dark. 
And he says, Silas, let's sing. Oh, the blood of Jesus. We don't know what they sang, but we do know that the very next part of that verse says, the prisoners were listening. Ah, now we know. You see, the reason Paul didn't tell them the secret Because the secret was Paul and Silas had dual citizenship. They were Jews, but they were also Romans. And you don't do what they did to Romans. Can I just tell you something? You're part of the earth family. But the devil sometimes forgets that you're also a citizen of another country. And you don't mess with God's children. Not and get away with it. It, it don't happen that it, you can get, he can get away with it. He don't get to, to mess on you and, and rip you apart. And he don't get to tear down your testimony. He don't get to do that without there being vengeance. You see, Paul knew enough about his God that he said, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. We're not going. We're not just going to be taken out the back door. And we're not going to be put out like like water, bath water. We're not going to let them just secretly slip us out of town. Oh, no, we're going to make them own it. Let me tell you, God looks down on the dungeon you're in, the work that you're doing, the trouble that you're enduring, the pain and the wounds that you are suffering. And he says, oh, no, my children will not have to go out the back door. No, they're going to walk out the front gate, and the devil himself is going to have to escort you out. Oh, The devil himself is going to have to own up. I like the part where the Bible says every knee shall bow. That means the devil himself is one day going to have to bow down. So, not looking at my notes because I'll go back and try to do 30 pages. The purpose. You see, Paul had confidence. He had confidence. He knew. The reason he didn't tell the secret is because he knew something that you and I got to get this morning. He knew that if, Brother Devney, if, if God put him there, if God was bringing it to him, then God was going to bring him out. So he didn't say, no, 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 you can't arrest me, I'm a Roman. He didn't even do it for Silas' sake. You would think, Paul, 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 you're a mentor. You're a spiritual father. For Silas' sake, tell him he's a Roman. No. Paul had this idea that no matter what God called him to go through, there was a purpose in it. And so he didn't try to get out of it. He didn't try to complain about it. He didn't whine. And, you know, when they were sitting there in the dungeon and they were down there in the cold and, and the damp and they were dark and they couldn't see anything, they heard that there were other prisoners all around. They didn't sit there and just, I, I'm a Roman, boy. I can't believe I'm here. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? What did I do wrong? I can't believe this is happening to me. Oh, God, oh, God. The devil's on my back. He's sure giving me a week. They didn't do that. It says... If you read the scripture there, it says they beat them, they threw them down in the dungeon, put stocks on their feet, and they were 
down in the deepest part of the dungeon where there was nothing. And it's in the very next word, the very next verse. And about midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang hymns. Confidence, courage. I don't know why you got me here, Lord. I don't know why I'm going through this. It's unjust. It's not fair. Right. It was not fair. What you might be going through this morning, it isn't fair. It's not just. There's no justice in it whatsoever. No argument in court will stand. It's rotten to the core what you're going through. But see, Paul didn't care about that. He had such a faith in his God, such a confidence in his God. I'm preaching the gospel in the name of Jesus. Demonic spirit come out of that girl. And she fell to the ground and the spirit left her. He knew he was right with God. He'd been obeying the Lord. He'd preaching the gospel. He was sharing the good news. He was doing everything right. Don't let the devil tell you you did something wrong. Might very well be that you have a purpose because the purpose was found in the verse where it said they prayed and they sang. You see, it says in the end of that verse, it says, and the prisoners all around them heard them. Then it goes on to say, and suddenly an earthquake shook and rattled up that jail. All the doors were opened. And all the chains fell off. And the jailer woke up and ran down there, saw that what had happened, and he took out his sword. And Pastor Paul, loving people, even the jailer, even the one that put him in prison, Locked him up, serving on the graveyard graveyard shift, working third shift, trying to feed his family. Obviously loves his family because that's all he cared about when he was talking to Paul. Loved his family. He was just working 9 to 5 or, you know, 12 to midnight, whatever. Working the midnight shift. And he's doing his job. And he sees that he's failed. He's probably going to be killed because he's, all the prisoners are loose. There's no way. So he takes the sword and Paul says, stop, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Wait a minute, the murderers, the thieves, the crooks, all those, they didn't go anywhere? That's a sign to us that the songs at midnight touched them. They weren't going anywhere until they found out what was that? What were y'all singing about? What was that I felt inside here? There's no light in here, but I felt light. I, there wasn't, there was no message. In, there was nothing I could see in this dungeon except the sound. And it resonated down through all of this, this dungeon area until I felt the peace. I haven't felt since my granny used to rock me on her knee when she, when I was a little kid. I haven't felt this kind of joy in forever. Paul, we're not going anywhere. We're with you. We're all in. The jailer put the sword down. He went and got the light. He had to prove it. Took the light all the way around. He saw everybody was still in the prison. Nobody left. Nobody went out. Nobody took off. They're all there. And when he saw that miracle and that they were set free, you know, sometimes it only takes a good miracle to turn people's heart around. It only takes seeing the power of God one good time for people to turn their heart around. The jailer came in and says, 
they came in and got on his knees by Paul and Silas. And he said, sir, respect. What must I do to be saved? He said, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your house. And your house, right? And so then, so then you've got this whole scenario. He takes him out. The, the jailer takes him to the house and washes and, and medicates and, and wraps his wounds up. And, and he talks to the whole family. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're having a baptismal service right there. I mean, Paul has got no doubt broken bones. He's all bandaged up. He's still hurting like crazy. But he's dunking them all left and right, you know, just baptizing. He's doing this job as a pastor, as a wonderful man. I can't wait to meet him. And then we look at the whole scenario, the whole purpose. And I'm going to let you stand for me right now. Paul figures out that he pretty much, the whole purpose and reason for going into the dungeon and for steps to be ordered into that hell was because there were prisoners down there where the, the church jail ministry, Brother Phil, don't go. That was like death row. They were buried deep. Nobody came to see them. They, they weren't part of anybody's visitation. Families had given up on them. But God so loved them that he looked for somebody he could trust to lay it on their hearts. They wouldn't complain. They wouldn't whine. They wouldn't make it about them. They wouldn't pout and sulk up when they had to go through the hard time. He knew he could trust them. He knew that he could trust them. Can God trust you? Or are you just wading in the shallow water? Can God trust you? Can he take you where people are really desperate where people are dirty sinful wrong guilty you know the church sometimes gets a bad rap because I believe our church we love Jen we love the lost we love them we're not trying to get him to, to, to sign the membership role. I'm not trying to get their offering. My father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He'll always take care of the church. Like Brother Brian says, he, he just wants to use you. No, we don't want anything from you. We want to minister to you. We want you to know freedom. We want you to know victory. We want you to know eternal life. We want you to know Jesus is your Savior. We want you to know him like Paul knew him when he said, just be quiet. Don't even tell him we're Romans. Let's just, let's do this. We trust God. You know, somebody says, yeah, yeah well, I'm, you know, I, I want to hang around real men, tough men. Let me tell you, ain't nobody tougher than Paul. I don't know how many squealy little boys running around this earth right now would cringe at the thought of having to go down to the dungeon. They'd look for some slimy way out. 
They look for some cheating way out. They're not real men. But Paul said, Paul, we're, we're Romans. It's okay, Silas, trust me. Better yet, trust him. They threw it. Came out. But when he came out, when he went into the dungeon, they went in alone. But they came out with a whole block of criminals and a jailer and his family. Came out with a whole bunch of people. I tell you, it's worth it if you will just trust him and let him lead you wherever he's got to lead you. Some of you are in the trial of your life right now. You're in the dungeon. You're in the dark place. You don't know how you got here. You have looked up to God and you've said, this is not fair. This is not just. Why am I here? I am faithful. I do ministry. I give of my time, my talents. I give you everything I've got. Why am I here? And God says, because I trust you. Because I trust you. Go in. But you ought to see what's coming out with you. If you'll be faithful and you won't whine and complain and make it about you. If you'll trust him, he'll make a warrior out of you. Women, he'll make a Proverbs 31 woman out of you. Men, he'll make you a man like David. He'll make you a man like Paul. He'll turn you into a giant for God. It's time for babies to grow up. Can I get an amen? It's time for us all to grow up in our faith. Grow up in God. This world is dying for an answer. They're running to every other answer that they can find. They're running to all kinds of things, people. The alcoholism, the drugs, the, 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 the junk that is in this world, it is epidemic now. The church, it's time for us to stand up as men. And women of God, anointed. How dare they? I love it that Paul said, no way. We are, guess what? We're Romans. You tell them to come and get us. And I want to look at the devil this morning. And I want to say, Amy, I want to say, devil, you thought... You thought you hoodwinked, you thought you had us, you thought you were going to destroy us, you thought you were going to just tear down our name, tear down our reputation, the world calls you crazy, they call you a fanatic, they call you stupid, they call you you're ignorant, they tell you all kinds of junk, but I'm telling you, they may have had their day, but when it's all said and done, you better stand there, and you better say that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay and he is going to come, and when he does, he is going to make every foul spirit, every devil, he is going to make every one of those that are in that wicked place, every one of them is going to have to come groveling back to you, going to have to come begging you, oh, please, just depart secretly, don't let him know, Shh, just, just go, here's a million dollars, just go. The enemy is going to have to escort you out. Because you are a child and a citizen of heaven. Don't forget that when they laugh at you and they mock you and they make fun of you. Don't you forget that you are a child of God and you will have the last word when it comes to what's coming. God will always, always honor his. He will always bring you out. Not some of the time, not a few of the time, not... 
you hang on. You may have to go in the fire and snatch them out one at a time, but that's all right. You keep doing it because when it's all said and done, the devil himself is going to have to bow. The enemy against you is going to have to bow. The foul spirits of this world are going to have to bow. If you hang on and don't let go. I know I've went long, but the Lord is wanting to do something right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in that dungeon place and you're in that place of, uh, of darkness, you're at midnight where the rubber meets the road. It's time for you to decide who you are and what you really believe. And don't let nobody take that away from you. Don't let nobody take that away from you. You say, Lord, I believe you. I'm in a dungeon right now. I am in a no-win situation. My feet are in stocks. I am in the dark, and I cannot find my way out. There is no way. I need a midnight miracle. And if that's you, shoot your hand way up in the air and then right back down. Amen. Amen. Hands up all over this house. So we're going to pray right now. We're going to believe. We're going to stand on the word of God. This word that we've read, this text in the Bible is there for you. It's there. God wants you to read that. He wants you to accept that as this is the way that he is going to work in your life. He's going to bring you out. And when you come out, you're coming out not alone. You're going to come out with treasures. You're going to come out of the darkness and you're going to be holding on to all these treasures that God is going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ. But first of all, let me ask a question. Are you here this morning and you need Christ? You need salvation. You've not received him in your life. I, I feel constrained that there's someone here today who needs to pray the prayer of salvation. Maybe you're watching online. I, I, I feel this strong in my heart. You need Christ in your life. You don't know him. And you need to make things right with him right here, right now that's you would you just slip up your hand then right back down i want to be right with god today pastor god bless you sir god bless you son anyone else anyone else i want things to be right all right these that have lifted their hands we're going to pray with you right now perhaps you're watching online perhaps you're sitting in your living room or you're somewhere else and you're you're watching and you're thinking, man, I, I need him. I don't know him. You pray with us. We're going to pray a prayer. It's not a prayer that'll, it's not a magic formula. It's not special words. It's just a prayer from your heart. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, he rose from the dead for you and for your sins. He brings forgiveness to you. Then you will be saved. Confess him with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. So that's what happens with these words. So we pray these words together, asking the Lord to save those. Would you help me, church? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you into my life. I declare you are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my all. According to your word, I believe in my heart. I confess you now with my mouth. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. One more prayer. One more prayer before we go. Many of you lifted your hand and said you're at the midnight hour. I want to pray a pastoral prayer over you. 
So I want you to just be in a mode right now. I want you to just, just be in a place where you're ready to receive strength from God. And the other brothers and sisters who are here, I want you to help. Let's pray for them. They lifted their hand. They said, I'm in, I'm in a midnight hour experience and I need a miracle. So we're going to pray a prayer of intercession for them right now. Would you help me? Let's do that. Father, we come to you. Lord, I come to you as pastor. I ask you to minister to the people that have lifted their hands this morning. The ones that are hurting, God, that are wounded in their spirits. They have gone through the, the phase of, of humanity. Their human nature has asked, why? This isn't fair. Why am I here? But, Lord, they are going to carry on. They're going to move on through it. And they're going to trust you in it. And, Lord, in that confidence is their miracle. In that confidence and courage is their song at midnight. I pray that you'll bless them now to sing praise and to pray, Lord, at the crucial hour. Pray in this midnight experience, God, and to sing the songs of Zion for their praise goes before their victory. It's the praise that'll break the chains. It's the praise, Lord, that'll bring the glorious power of God into the very circumstance they're standing in. There is no dark place where you can't go. There is no place that you they can hide. There is nothing that can be done that can thwart the power of Almighty God. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ for the power of the Holy Spirit and the armies of the angels of God to be at, at your beck and orders, Lord, to move now into every situation from the left to the right, from the front to the back of this auditorium. We're believing, God, those that are watching online, we're praying over them. We're asking you, Lord, bring the victory, bring deliverance. Be the God of great power and might and let the treasures be seen. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and we pray these things, Lord, giving you honor, giving you glory, and giving you all the praise. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone together said amen and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Richard's going to come and pray a benediction prayer, but as he does, I want to remind you of the family, family day next Sunday. Seven food trucks. Please plan on being with us after church. Don't run out the door. Stay and let's fellowship together. It's going to be a wonderful time. We're giving all of our children opportunity to minister in the service. We won't have classes back there because we want all of our teachers to have a little bit of a rest. It's a family day, so we're all going to be together next Sunday. Please plan on being here, being a part, and getting some of that food out there. And uh, also, if you're visiting, you're new with us today, the staff is heading down to the bookstore. We would love, there's a little light refreshment there. We would love to meet you, talk with you, and have a little time of fellowship with you. So we're going to do that right now. God bless you, and thank you for being here. Let's pray, folks. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you for taking care of us, God, the way that you are. Lord, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're down in the dungeon, God, we know that you're faithful and that you always watch out for us. We appreciate that. Lord, we go this week knowing that your hand's upon us, and God, you're going to use us and work through us. We pray that you would touch the world as you have touched us and be with us this week, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We will see you. to my destiny extremely close